from 99.9 The Fan. This is The Drive with Tim Donnelly. Sponsored by Coach Pete at Capital Financial Advisory Group. Visit us at CapitalFinancialUSA.com. Alongside Joe Giglio, I'm Joe Opias. Dennis Cox is the producer of this program. Shout out to everybody who reminded me about the CD that you could purchase on a late night television infomercial that had mood music. It was called Pure Moods. And several of you apparently purchased that CD back in the day. Good for you. Good for you. Shout out to LK for uh, for being the first on that one. Uh, another listener apparently paid the 14 bucks to overnight it. You paid 14 bucks to overnight pure moods to your house? <laughs> you needed any of that badly? Maybe he had the experience you had, Julia, where you caught Enya in the club. <laughs> have we figured out? It wasn't the other. It wasn't no, that other Enya song. It was a different one. Dennis, do you have the other Enya song? No. Is it this one? No. Because if it was this one, it would be... It was more drippy than that. <laughs> it was breathy. All right. We're going to get to the bottom. It's not Enya. We're going to get was, to No. Style. I don't want. That's yeah. until you want me. No, 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 no. Yeah, that's the song. That's an Enya song, right? That is? Or is that Enigma? Ooh. I think it's Enigma. Because there's two. It's Enigma and Enya. We're going to get to the bottom of it, but we'll tell you what's trending right now. Let's log on to the internet, shall we? I'm going to have to find a Pure Mood CD on Discogs. What's Trending brought to you by Geico. you got a choice of ways that you can save on car insurance. Call 1-800-947-AUTO. Go online to geico.com or stop by the Geico office nearest you. Let's get it. North Carolina men's basketball coach Hubert Davis has a new six-year contract. After leading the Tar Heels to the national championship game in his initial season, the new deal will run through the 27-28 season, according to our friend Aaron Beard at the Associated Press, and is worth about $16.7 million. And from the original contract, it was only worth 9.7. So a uh, nice little raise for Hubert Davis, but still he's uh, at an average of $2.8 million per year. is a bargain. Is this a do it again i mean you have to give him a raise based on what happened last year absolutely you have to give him a raise based off of what happened recruiting's good obviously but i guess it's also relative to experience at this point yeah i remember when i initially wrote the, the story about his initial contract and it was low like and i remember bubba cunningham saying well this was commensurate with first time head coaches mm-hmm. and you know there were a lot of incentives in there and then nobody needs to pass the hat for you already he did well in leading the team to the championship and there were bonuses in there for the final four and, and other wins along the way in the NCAA tournament. But yeah, I mean, this, this gets them closer to the top third of the ACC, at least next up. One of the four, all of the four or half of the four. So this week in the NFL, it's been a long conversation about the older guys and where things are going in their careers. We saw what happened to Matt Ryan in Indianapolis it's, it's a wrap for a variety of reasons. He's hurt, and his contract uh, makes it so that Indianapolis would rather not play him at this point. You got Tom Brady losing to the Carolina Panthers on Sunday and the fallout from that. And now you've got Aaron Rodgers, who went on the Pat McAfee show yesterday and started to talk about how, you know what? Maybe some of the reps for the guys that I'm playing with need to change. He's essentially telling Matt LaFleur, his head coach, Hey, man, you might need to mix things up. And I'm telling you, or at least implying that you need to do it on the Pat McAfee show. Guys who are making too many mistakes shouldn't be playing. 
you know, you gotta gotta start cutting some reps. And maybe guys who aren't playing, uh, give them a chance. So we're we're gonna see. We made some changes, you know, last week. We moved uh, Yash over to right right tackle. We moved John to right guard. Um, Elton to left guard. So you know, we're we're doing some things. Um, and there'll be more opportunities for other guys like moving forward too, especially with our injury situation uh, as we look at uh, this week and see who's healthy. I mean, is he basically telling Matt LaFleur through the Pat McAfee show what he needs to do? I've kind of given up on Aaron Rodgers and trying to figure out what he, the message he's, he's trying to send or yeah. whatever it is he's trying to accomplish. Uh, I think he just wants attention, and he likes his conversations each week with Pat McAfee. I don't begrudge him that. <laughs> But also, my care level about Aaron Rodgers is really, really, really low. Yeah. Really no, low. No, I'm, I'm with you on that. And they got swept by the New York teams, and then they lost to Washington. And you might say, hey, wow, it's really – cut them some slack, Julio. They lost the, – the Giants and Jets are really good this year. Well, then explain Washington to me. Mm-hmm. You, you can't. You can't, especially after losing to the New York teams the way that they did. There's some bounce back there. And if you have any heart, you have any pulse, you, you show a little fight after that. To lose the way that they did in Washington – it just says to me that they've completely checked out on him. And that's that's the curiosity, right? I mean, I would love to know what it's like to be a teammate of Aaron Rodgers and know that he's going to go on the Pat McAfee show and say things like, well, you know. wasn't my fault. It's not my fault. And, hey, you know, time for time, there's some, sometimes there's a time to talk and sometimes there's a time to listen. And, you know, and here he is talking about cracking the whip. Like, come on, dude. There are times to listen. And then there are times where you've heard enough, and now it's start time. It's that time to really crack the whip a little bit. So, could be, could be that time. Could definitely be that time. Players only. <laughs> players only meeting coming. No, we don't. No, you know. No, so, so, so there's so there, there's, there, there's Pat McAfee and Aaron Rodgers, and it's like, dude. I mean, I'm not gonna get too deep into it. With you, really want to use the phrase "crack the whip." Come on, man. A little self-awareness. Next up. What would you do on an eight-hour flight from Denver to London, Joe? Um, I can tell you because uh, I've done it. I would load up the Kindle with a few things to read. I'd probably get heavy eyes and zonk out for an hour or two. Okay. Wake up, play whatever Nintendo Switch game I've been meaning to play. Or finish like Metroid Dread, but trying to finish that game for a while. Um, yeah, that's what I that's what I would do on a plane. You know, I don't know, maybe listen to some music, sleep some more. That's what I would do on eight hours to London. Oh no, that's not what Russell Wilson did oh. on his flight. Clearly, I'm unlimited. limited. I'm limited. Yeah. He's unlimited. Russell unlimited on an eight-hour flight from Denver to London. The new Broncos quarterback said, "quote that he um, did some high knees in the aisle." Watched some tape and had a workout, and he slept for about an hour. He said, <sighs> "Okay, do you?" But be- can okay. I give you my favorite quote first, though? Yeah, 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 yeah. Because there's a full quote here, but here's the best part. This is one of these people who've convinced themselves in their own mind that they can do anything. Sure, uh, I don't really get jet lagged too often. I don't really. I've traveled enough that to kind of get my system down. No, dude. I mean, he sounds like a high-level athlete to me. Yeah, but at that point, no. <laughs> I mean, you know, Tom Brady has. I could time travel. It doesn't bother me. I could, I can do 14 G's. It doesn't bother me. 
I'm, I'm trained. I'm built when he, different. When he says that he has his system trained, do you think that also includes like when it's time to go? You know, because like you go on a long trip like that, you're on a plane for a while, things get stopped up, man. Yeah, I mean, we're not talking about a commercial flight here, yeah, so I'm living, sure there's a, I'm sure there's enough bathrooms to go around. But. <laughs> this guy. Do, do you believe Russell Wilson? That's the question. Do you believe? Do I believe him that, that he was every, doing the high knees? Everybody was asleep. Everybody and was asleep. He was doing high I am, knees. I am committed. Yeah. You uh, believe him? Yeah, I believe him. You think? Because he keeps saying that he'll sleep when he's dead. And now that we find out at 34 years old that he really can't play quarterback in the NFL anymore, <laughs> I want to just say to him straight up, like if he would ever return a phone call or anything like that, I would just say to him straight up, dude, you need to sleep because sleep's important. It helps you. So stop saying, first of all, stop saying don't take no as an answer. That's not a, that's not a good message in 2022. That's number one. Number two, don't say I'll sleep when I'm dead. Sleep. People need sleep, including you. Do you think he's Unlimited. a Do you think he's a window seat guy or an aisle guy? Russell Wilson. Oh, he's the whole row. First he, of all, oh, you think he just takes the whole row? Yeah. I, I'm I'm really not flexing here and I caught myself before I said it. Uh-huh. I'm really not flexing here. Go ahead. Have you ever been on the Canes charter before? No, I've never been. It's completely different. Like it's the Canes one of the, one of the last years that I went on the Canes charter when I was working for the paper and covered some different games. Mm-hmm. They had the same charter that the Rolling Stones used the previous year for their tour. Oh, nice. Okay. So what are the seat setups like? They're the uh, uh, I believe it's basically two first class seats each way. Each now. way. Okay. Gotcha. But then there are like card table like there's tables so you can go play cards at. Gotcha. And back when I was talking to Ron Francis and I was <laughs> and I was winning him some NFL bets and it was uh hey Ron, maybe can I get involved in this card game? And it was that's not for you. <laughs> that's, yeah. Fair enough. Yeah, I was gonna say, do you? Could you hang? I, I mean, I could have financially. Financially, could, yeah, I was gonna say financially. Could <laughs> you? Could you hung? That's no. crazy. Like you're the newspaper guy. They're hockey. Players, but but so. as we learned from Michael Jordan, though, there was a ten dollar game there somewhere. Was, there was. He just wasn't playing that. Well, there's no. A, he was because he wanted to make sure he beat everybody. So there's an Australian airline that's actually offering a lottery to those who want to sit in the middle seat. Apparently, with polling, 0.6% of those that were asked said that they would prefer the middle seat. Yeah, I believe you on that one. So Virgin Australia has launched a middle seat lottery. It's a special raffle worth about $150,000. And it's open to anyone who's going to sit in the middle seat voluntarily or involuntarily during a flight. So would you do it? Are you so adamant against sitting in the middle seat that... You wouldn't take a chance at a lottery ticket for $150,000? You're saying I could win or I you will win? You could win. You could win. How long is the flight? Well, it's from Australia, so... <laughs> not not close. Not a close saying. flight, no. Well, I'm guessing Virgin Australia only has limited flights in a regional area. Maybe it's even within Australia, for all I know. So anyway, just a chance to win $150,000. I don't mind a middle seat, honestly. When you don't know the random, I mean, typically, typically, because I usually fly Southwest, there's always the risk that you'll be stuck in a middle seat. Sure. But that, yeah, especially I, you, sitting in the middle seat is for lazy people. Usually, if you go all the way to the back or you right. don't mind, like, there's always a seat available in the aisle. You're always going to find a couple, especially if you're flying, flying slow, solo. Or in my case, sometimes when I fly with Kelly and the kids, she'll sit with the kids and I'll just try to find the undesirable seat, which sometimes ends up being an aisle seat. A row back. It's all good. Anyway, next up. Number two. 
So, I caught this on Keyshawn J. Will and Max today. And I, I don't know. Sometimes I'm confused as to when Keyshawn Johnson wants to defend a quarterback, like Sam Darnold, who is a Jet. And when he doesn't want to well, defend. It's also USC. USC, too. And you're right. And sometimes I'm curious as to why he doesn't want to defend a quarterback. And this is in the case of Baker Mayfield. Here's where the Carolina Panthers are right now. The Panthers have all three quarterbacks healthy enough to participate in practice. Yet Steve Wilkes has said, based on what we saw this past week in the win against Tampa Bay, it is P.J. Walker's show. It's not just automatically going back to Baker Mayfield, who was the starter at the beginning of the season, or Sam Darnold, who still has his contract, right? So it's P.J. Walker. Cool. But here's Keyshawn Johnson talking about where Baker Mayfield screwed himself this season and why he's just not automatically going back to Baker in Carolina. If, in fact, he would have made good. You got to listen to me now. If he would have made good with OBJ, they would have never even tripped on him. They would have visualized him as a baller. But once you opened up that window and they saw you, they was like, on top of not being a baller, he's an ass. We don't like you. So there you go. There's Keyshawn Johnson. I figured it out. He was he wasn't cool with the wide receiver, and that's where Baker Mayfield ultimately screwed himself. All right. What well, what about the future of Baker Mayfield? We know he's not going to be a Carolina Panther after the season. Here's Keyshawn on that. P.J. Walker looked like the second coming of Cam Newton compared to Baker Mayfield. I mean, they're worst football team. Everybody thought that this was it. Oh, Sam Donald. Oh, he stinks. Get rid of him, Baker Mayfield. So much for that, huh? <laughs> Got some beef with Baker. I'll say this. Good for P.J. Walker uh, on Sunday. But P.J. Walker did what we know what P.J. Walker is capable of. I mean, they were so afraid of him throwing the forward pass in their loss to Arizona. Kind of indicates where the coaching staff saw this. In order to be fair, if we all recognize that Matt Rule did not have the Carolina Panthers properly prepared, I think we can all agree on that, right? He got fired because there was an inconsistent, or I should say, a consistent showing of them being unprepared. Why not see if the way Steve Wilkes wants to run the show and what he's instructing Ben McAdoo to do and what we've seen without Christian McCaffrey with the running backs, why not give Baker Mayfield another opportunity? Uh, On the surface? Yeah. Baker Mayfield is a fifth-round pick they're giving up right now. If yeah. he plays 70% of the snaps, it becomes a fourth-round pick. Might not seem like a lot, and it I'm not sure lot, it's motivated motivation enough to not see Baker Mayfield mm-hmm. again, but let's go back to Cooper Rush and the Cowboys. Let's go back to yeah. Mac Jones. Yeah, They just won a game. I'm not suggesting that P.J. Walker was the primary reason they won the game, but when you win a game, you're not changing anything. You're not changing the ball, boy. You're not changing your pants. You're not changing anything when you win a game. Okay? It's that simple. Next up. The number one story of the day. We're number one. We're number one. The ACC has a money problem, and... Behind closed doors at the AD's meetings, they're trying to figure out ways to get creative and keep schools happy while also trying to bring in more revenue. What makes sense and what doesn't make sense? Next. Brian Murphy, WRL.com, WRLSportsFan.com, investigative reporter, has a new story up today 
on how the ACC is studying how it distributes revenue to its 15-member schools and considering whether to reward schools that help generate more revenue with a bigger share. ACC generated more than $578 million in the 2020-21 academic year, but that was inflated because of some COVID-related things. Notre Dame's participation as a full member of the ACC in football got him a share of that NBC money. Um, you also see you know, another ch- championship year. This is the 2020-2021 fiscal year. And David Teal of Richmond.com pointed out some areas in which the ACC benefited. And again, Notre Dame's NBC deal helped out in that regard. Also, Clemson playing in a championship game, or playing in the college football playoff, I should say, helped them out in that regard. But things aren't necessarily going that way for the next fiscal year. The ACC still expects to report a significant revenue increase, though, according to Teal, which won't be filed until late spring. The reason why is because the ACC network finally got a distribution deal on Comcast, and that cable money is coming in, and it shows you, again, that value of television money. Now, the latest revenue shown shows you that television bowls and the NCAA tournament account for 98.7% of ACC revenue. Keep in mind, 75% of that 98% plus comes from football. So we know what really drives the bus here. So, Gilio, the question now becomes, as schools, individual schools are mad that who they're trying to compete with, Clemson, Florida State, Miami, Virginia Tech, trying to be with the big boys, and they see what the Big Ten top teams are getting, what the SEC top teams are getting. We, they see what Texas and Oklahoma are off to go do in the SEC. They see what UCLA and Southern Cal are off to go do in the Big Ten. They're like, y'all, if we're going to compete, we need to get more of the slice of the pie. I don't necessarily dis- I don't necessarily agree with this attitude, but they're loud, and it looks like they're looking at ways to maybe make it happen. Yeah, the basic problem with the ACC is the composition of the ACC. Yeah. So short of kicking teams out, which I believe would require the charter being blown up, which would be a drastic step. You, if you can't kick teams out, well, can you change the way that you distribute the revenue? I think that's the thought process here. If you're Clemson, if you're Carolina, particularly those two schools, because of what they've, they've done, a lot of the labor here, mm-hmm. and they're looking for more of the reward for their labor. Does this work? Does it close the gap? I don't know. I don't think I, it does. I, I mean, realistically, it doesn't close the gap. But the question that we don't know the answer to is... Is there going to be such a, a stratification of the Big East and SEC that none of the top elite players are going to want to go to Clemson mm-hmm. because they're not in the Big Ten, right. because they're not in the SEC? Yeah. Or will Texas and Oklahoma, who already have more money than just about every other school in the country, will they get to the SEC and now, instead of going to the playoff, in the case of Oklahoma, three out of four years, what if Oklahoma now only goes once Every five years. Yeah. What if they only go 20? And that, even that might be successful, right? Maybe. Texas has never been, so we don't really know what Texas... Texas is doing this because ultimately they're in a popsicle measuring contest with Texas A&M. Hmm. That's what they're doing. Yeah. Okay? But ultimately, if you care about competition and you're Clemson, and you have, what better access are you going to have to the playoff, even a 12-team playoff, than through the ACC? You're not. 
Do you care about that? I think you would care about that. Because at some point, Joe, the size of your support staff, the size of your academic team, the size of the slide coming down in the in the football facility doesn't matter. What should matter, and I can hear Jim Phillips talking about the opportunity, what should matter is the competition. Yeah. Can you compete at the highest level? Can you win at the highest level if that's your goal? I mean, you could argue a lot of teams in the ACC are not interested in competing at the highest level or winning at the highest level. Mm-hmm. Can't make that argument with Clemson. No, you can't. So, in my opinion, we are we need to see the data of what happens with Texas and Oklahoma. We just need to also see if there's going to be this seismic shift in recruiting. Are, are Suddenly, are the California schools suddenly going to become the powers that they were in the 80s, in UCLA's well, case, or USC's case, the aughts. That's the part of the conversation that I wish we were honest about. We get so wrapped up in money as though that's the key to success. Okay, so explain to me Texas. You can't. Texas has had one of the richest athletic budgets, regardless of what conference they've been in, for decades. What's their excuse? Well, they keep making bad hire after bad hire, or they get impatient recruiting mistakes, those types of things. All right. Texas A&M, same thing. They're bathing in SEC money like Scrooge McDuck in his vault. Can you tell me what Texas A&M is getting for what they're paying Jimbo Fisher and all the facilities upgrades they're getting? They beat the carcass of North Carolina in the Orange Bowl that one year. Cool. You know, and and right now, the only reason why you know Texas A&M is because People have been streaming those stupid rebel yell things that they do or the midnight yell or whatever they call it, right? So money is not the reason why you are ultimately successful. And that's what bothers me about this conversation. Sometimes I feel like, especially in the case of Florida State and Miami, that they use money as a way to distract you from their own mistakes. No, your own administrative decisions have led you down this path of being terrible, And in the case of Miami, it's your impatience and this idea that you're something that you're not keeps leading you to make mistake hires like Mario Cristobal, which I think in the grand scheme of things won't be the right move. They keep chasing it. When you look at the history of Miami, they've been successful. Why? They've usually found the up-and-coming coach that disrupts things, and then they leave for something else. Whether it's oh, they've Jimmy, always hit a home run in, in the Miami area recruiting-wise. Whether too. it was Jimmy Johnson, Dennis Erickson, or Butch Davis. So I, I and and Butch Davis always was the was the key here in that you know people act like Miami was just crushing it in recruiting. No, the, the key to Butch Davis and his success at Miami while he were while they were getting out of probation was finding those two star guys, three star guys, that were undiscovered and developing them. Throwing money at the problem isn't going to do it. And and the big and the biggest thing that I can point to is you need to explain to me if you're Florida State or if you're Miami or if you're Virginia Tech and you have a want-to factor there, and you're complaining about how, well, you know, we're the bigger brand and we should be getting more of the revenue share. For what? When you get routinely beat by Wake Forest, who has less than you do. They get the same television revenue, but they don't have the same fan base. Their facilities are not as grandiose as theirs, even if they're nice. And they certainly do not get the brand awareness that you do. So why do they keep kicking your ass? Can you explain that to me? They have the better coach. Better coach. A coach who wants to be there, by the way. A coach that's taken care of and believes in a culture and has built it up. Sometimes college sports is not that hard. you got to hire the right guy. And unfortunately for college sports, 
there's all sorts of political ramifications that come into play and boosters who think they're calling the shots and everything else. And it's only going to get worse, by the way, because there's one other news news item related to the NCAA and money that came out today as it relates to those NIL collectives. It turns out that through governance, schools cannot like put together packages, right? Schools can't do it. However, they can work closely with the NIL collectives now. And essentially what's going to happen going forward with this new governance, the bottom line it, is that schools will be able to coordinate with these groups and get them to use the booster money to go get players. And all that money coming in from television revenue, boosters don't necessarily have to worry about the facilities upgrades anymore. They want you to go get players. So that's something to keep an eye on going forward. Shout out to Phil Kessel. NHL, Iron Man, officially the Iron Man. 990 games? 990 consecutive games. Hockey games. Hockey games. Yeah. Pretty good. Dude. Pretty good. You scored his 400th goal yesterday, too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know me, man. I can't go like a week or two without taking some PTO. That's true. You're not going to be here for like the whole month of November. Uh, Candace Candace will be in on Friday, by the way. Oh, really? Yeah. That'll be a lot of fun. Saw her at the Duke Carolina game. Nice. Said, hey, you know, by the way, I know you live in Baltimore now, but yeah. but if you're in town, if you're in town, so freaking obvious isn't going to be here the whole month of November. So Cooper's uh, Cooper's going to be hanging out on Friday. I'm, I'm hyped yes. about that. I'm hyped a little, about get a little that. Tar Heel voice in here. Look, man, you know, sometimes we need a little yin to the yang. You're, that's a very, very good point. Now, look, what am I supposed to do? My brother's getting married in November. Right. But kids, kids got a hockey tournament in Charleston in November, too, the following week. What am I supposed to do? Not yeah. go? I mean, it's it's family obligations. Like I was listening to the Greenberg earlier today. You know what this is all about, really? What is this all about? You have like four hundred weeks of PTO. I've, I've like, I have like two. I'm I, I've worked at Capital Broadcasting for thirteen years now. I know it's impressive. So it it adds up. It does unfortunately, you, your agent did not negotiate into your contract <laughs> bad the carryover. Agent. Bad bad agent from your previous job over to Capital Broadcasting. So the reset button was hit for you, but you'll be Correct. fine. You'll be fine. I believe in you. I think you, I think you can get to year five. Power through? I think you can power through. I think you can power through. Let's not dump the Gatorade. Ju- okay. I believe in you. Let's, I let's believe in you because, as as I've stated, I mean, if you go, I'm 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 done. Okay. So I'm just Perfect. saying. So you better freaking pull through. I got it. All right? Let's do this. Get a lot of vacation. So I take a lot of vacation. Yes, you do. What am I supposed to do? Anyway, yeah, but guess what? 990 games in the NHL, man. That's... Unreal. Absolutely. Played his first game in 2009? That is unreal that he's been able to do that. Highly, highly impressive. Speaking of hockey, the Carolina Hurricanes and the NHL released more tickets today. And anytime there's a ticket release, it seems that social media loses their mind. It's not just Twitter, by the way. I'll see this on Facebook. I'll see this on other social media channels as well. And people just... two things. Two things end up happening anytime I see the Carolina Hurricanes outdoor game in February show up and the conversation takes place. The first one is people that are aghast by the ticket prices. And I'm not saying this in defense of the NHL. I'm not saying this in defense of the Hurricanes. But you understand that this is not a normal hockey game. It's the freaking outdoor game that's being played at Carter-Finley Stadium. It's only going to happen once. This is what you do when a concert comes through or a big spectacle comes through. You're going to pay a premium for that. 
Or if you really care about this kind of special one-off, you're going to spend money on it. I'm not trying to equate the outdoor game with the Super Bowl or a playoff game, or specifically the Stanley Cup, but it is a special, unique, one-off event. And I find it weird that people who have zero issues dropping money to go see Rage Against the Machine at PNC Arena, Metallica at PNC Arena, when Beyonce came through, dropping big bucks to see U2 in the 360 tour. Who? What were the Taylor Swift prices going for at PNC Arena a few years ago when the 1989 tour was pulling through? The had sizzle? To, it had to be nuts. Yeah, you for paid that, a right? bunch for Bruno Mars too, didn't you? I, eh, that's not, not actually not that much. Okay. Not the Bruno Mars show. Justin Timberlake, on the other hand, yeah. when Justin Timberlake came through the first go-round, not when he was doing the 2020 experience, yeah, I, I, I paid a pretty penny for that to sit in the club level. Because I knew what I was getting. I was getting a spectacle. I was getting a show. I think for the uh, Rage Against the Machine tour, I paid like 175 a ticket to go see that. But that was something that was 20 years in the making for me. I never got to see Rage Against the Machine when I was in high school or college. So the fact that they were actually doing it again, that they reunited for a tour. Yeah, man, I'm going to pay premium for that. I'd never seen Metallica before. That was something that, you know, back in my Utes days, never got to see them. So when they came through PNC Arena, what was that, January 2019? Yeah, man, I paid a premium for that. Took my my older son. So I'm trying to equate, like, if you have zero issues dropping coin on shows that you know are unique and special, you understand the outdoor games in the same boat. And the other thing that kind of bothers me today is apparently student ticket prices came out today. And to be on the field for the game, it's 45 bucks. And I think for, like, lower-level end zone... It's which is not a great view. It's like fifty five bucks, and that's considerably cheaper than the non student discount. Yeah, and student discounts exist for a reason. Like if you want to go back to school and take on massive amounts of college debt, so you can save some bucks on the hockey tickets, knock yourself out. <laughs> but come on. Plus, there's probably the politics of NC State students in Carter Finley Stadium and some of the allotment that probably has to go to the athletic fees, that probably goes to students. And they have to pay the tickets. So anyway, I get it, though. We complain, we complain, we complain. But I want to at least offer some level of perspective with what we're getting with the outdoor game. If you are upset about the difficulty of getting the tickets, I totally understand where you're coming from on that. But if you're upset about the price, I do wonder, you understand the unique nature of it, and you've probably spent that amount of money, if not more, for other unique experiences. Like Chilio had a unique experience one time hearing Enigma in a club. I'm sure that cost him a pretty penny. Exactly. 